This is the Hiking Through Life podcast. We've all been gifted a journey called life. Let's see where the journey leads us today. We love sharing these stories with you through the Hiking Through Life podcast, and we're so grateful that you listen to this podcast. If you'd like to support the Hiking Through Life podcast further, we have these amazing new t-shirts and water bottles. The t-shirts come in four colors, and the water bottles are perfect for trails, adventuring, or daily use. Consider checking them out at hikingthroughlife.net slash shop. Use the code podcast and receive 10% off your first order. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast. I'm Andy. And I'm Sarah. And today's journey takes us to Athens, Ohio, where we met up with Tenderfoot Learning Lab. And we are so excited to get this episode out to you guys because we actually recorded this back in July when we were on our summer road trip. Um, We did talk about them in one of our episodes on our summer road trip series, if you listen to those. But um, yeah, we met them back in July when we were driving through Ohio. I had been following them on Instagram for quite some time and realized that we were in the same city as them based off my Instagram looking. And I decided to message them and it was really amazing. I'm really grateful that I messaged them because we ended up meeting up that night and having an amazing conversation and we became friends and I'm just like so supportive of what they're doing. So it is important to note that um, since this was in July, there have been some updates to Tenderfoot Learning Lab. Um, They now have 16 acres of forest with a pond and a house. And starting in January, they're going to be taking reservations for retreats and workshops at their property. So keep that in mind as you listen to this interview because it was recorded in July as things were still forming. So there's been some new and exciting creations since then. Yeah, and it's awesome to hear that they have grown that much and um, succeeded in their mission of what they are doing in, I guess, such little time since we've talked to them. Um, like you said, it was in July, and now it's uh, it's October here, so... Yeah, it's a uh, very cool to um, catch up with them. And after the interview here, which um, Sarah will get into, um, we'll we'll just do a little recap and also catch you guys up on exactly um, what they're doing, where you can find them as well. So without further ado, here's our interview with Tenderfoot Learning Lab. Tenderfoot was used to describe a young person learning a new trade, uh, a Tenderfoot. We'll be a study away location for college students to spend a semester immersed in sustainable living and growing our own food and producing our, en- our own energy and studying why that matters, our footprint on the world and why it's important to have a tender, a light. We are in Ohio. We are in Athens, Ohio. I know you guys were also doing a through hike on the Appalachian Trail, which you finished, was that in May? Started in May. You started last May. Last May. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, and while you were doing that hike, you were doing something called a hike-a-thon and you were raising money for this. So um, how did that go? Were you advertising this to through hikers you met on the trail? What did that look like? We did a lot of um, awareness sort of advertising for it before we left. And so most of our sponsors came from friends, supporters, um, our network at home before you know, we took off. Um, so, but we did find donors along the way um, and new supporters as we hiked. We were sort of hiking, um, we were just being a, a, a walking banner, I guess, for sustainable living. And if people were interested in that kind of conversation, then eventually we, we might talk about, um, we had shared values, we would talk about Tenderfoot. Yeah, so and at that point when you were hiking the trail, was it kind of still just a dream you had? Tenderfoot? Yeah, when you were hiking the trail. When I met Lindsay, she had this idea. She didn't have the name Tenderfoot yet, um, but I believe that Lindsay has been working towards this idea for many, many years. Um, well, it sounds like it. online I also read you had a PhD in sustainability, so... That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and this idea actually was the impetus was the my motivation for getting the PhD because I thought, you know, if I want to lead a program in higher education, I should probably have the, the highest degree to have any credibility. So that was really the main driver. Why did you guys want to do the Appalachian Trail for this hike-a-thon? What gravitated you towards doing the whole Appalachian Trail? <laughs> and how was that? I mean, let's talk about that. What are you doing, crazy people? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I have always wanted to hike the Appalachian Trail after setting foot onto it uh, in 2015. I did a small section. And we were talking about getting married. And uh, I told her that before we do that, I would very much like to hike the Appalachian Trail um, before we quote-unquote start our life. Yep. Uh, how naive of me. <laughs> <laughs> Little did you know your life was going to be tenderfoot on the trail, <laughs> That's huh? right. Uh, and she looked at me on the couch and she said, well, I'll do it with you if we um, cannot be selfish about it and uh, make it... Uh, a hike-a-thon and do it for this mission and we figured out a way to do that and so we got married in March March of 2018 okay and left two months later in May uh, for a honeymoon hike <laughs> a honeymoon hike-a-thon <laughs> almost a whole year hike that's right yeah, yeah. seven months to the day is what we spent that's amazing. When I, I remember reading that Instagram post of you guys is, we went to Jasper National Park for our honeymoon actually, and cool. we did like some backpacking and like some three day backpacking. And we called it a honey hike. Yeah, yeah. we did. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you know, when you're on your honeymoon, there was times when I was just like, I. It was nice to go shower a couple times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was not too many. There was less romance than yes. we expected. Yes. Yeah. In fact. Yeah. Did you guys ever want to, like, give up on the trail? Were there ever days when you were just like, I can't take it anymore. I just need to go eat a burger and fries and call it quits. Was there ever a day like that? N no. No. We never did really discuss and we later admitted to each other that we never really thought about quitting 
Um, we thought about taste. burgers and fries. Oh, for sure. <laughs> oh, man, in Maine, you guys are heading to Maine. Yeah. Right? In Maine, there are so many vibrantly colored mushrooms of the whole rainbow spectrum, and they all looked like food to me. <laughs> are any of them actually and edible? Don't though? eat them. <laughs> no, no, don't eat them. <laughs> um, highly poisonous, I'm sure. They were so vivid, but... Um, yeah, so we thought about burgers and fries and pizza and things that I would actually never eat in real life off the trail, but, um... When you're burning 7,000 calories a day, a day right. you're very food-motivated. Food <laughs> yeah. And so, before this, had you guys done a lot of camping and hiking together, or was this your first go-to, the Appalachian Trail? Pretty, pretty much. We did a lot of, not a lot of, um, like... One night out, two nights out. What was, what was the longest we did out before the AT? Two. I think it was two nights, yeah. And so... That's pretty bold then, just to be like, <laughs> yeah. we're going to through hike this trail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, because we do four-day backpacking trips pretty often, but I don't know that I'm built up yet to do a through hike on the Appalachian Trail. And I read about it all the time and like I dream about doing it. Yeah. But to hear that you guys didn't have a lot of experience doing it at all. No, I mean, we had a year's worth of, I mean, Travis had done sections, long sections, um, but I have not. But we did extensive gear research and yeah, lots of training our bodies. We. Uh, partnered up with a student personal trainer who was you know getting college credit for that and um, so we did a lot of preparation Uh, there is a great book that I highly recommend for any long-distance aspiring hiker it's called Appalachian Trials and it talks about the mental preparation so you can prepare your body all day long and you still might fall and break your leg but what defeats most people is the mental that mental yes it absolutely is and you know that's what I'm finding even like when we've brought out friends and family backpacking on overnight trips it's like they just need my little voice to like you know encourage them that they can do it yep um and sometimes I need that voice from Andy (laughs) you know like sometimes you just need that yeah that encouragement that mental encouragement it really is mind over body when you're out there absolutely is But I still can't imagine doing that for the whole Appalachian Trail. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, and I had less experience, which is why maybe I went, you know, relatively blind. I didn't have the reality to contend with in my brain. I was just finding out as I went. Yeah, and you had a goal. You had Tenderfoot Learning Lab in mind. So you had a really strong purpose behind hiking it. And, and we had told a lot of people that we were going to do this. <laughs> uh, we both accepted that at that point that failure was not an option. Yeah. There was a, a point we were in the White Mountains, which is arguably the hardest section. It's in New Hampshire, and it's pretty rugged terrain. And uh, I took a misstep. I was going. I realized I was off the trail, and so I just pivoted to go back. And I fell, and I fell hard, and there was blood, and instant bruising, and throbbing pain. Did you break and anything, twist I anything? I didn't. I was sure that I, I, I was questioning if I had broken my arm. Um, but I sobbed because I knew 
that if I had broken my arm, all that meant was that I was going to have to hike the White Mountains with a broken arm because we were that committed. Because you weren't giving we up. We weren't quitting. Um, if it was a leg, then we would take time off <laughs> and come back to it. But you know, just an arm. I'm going to keep hiking. So, yeah. I love that attitude. <laughs> you know, because it just shows that you aren't giving up no matter what. No. You're committed. You're going to go through it. Even if there's going to be pains and aches along the way. But you were committed, and that's an amazing example of it. Travis will tell you that there were days I wasn't kind about it. <laughs> but uh, we're happy about it. And so when you guys got back, did you just... So you said you gave yourselves a couple months, and then you started finding where you wanted to live. Uh, More or less. She actually had a job interview on trail. So we had a secured living situation and uh, income after the trail which was fair really uncommon um, yeah but it was a live-in residency um, at Antioch College in Yellow Springs so that's how we ended up there briefly uh, but the intention was always we need some sort of income some sort of stability you know we we're essentially for all intents and purposes homeless for seven months and so um, so yeah, we, we secured that and then, but always knew that we would be looking for something more permanent for Tenderfoot. What's your day job then? So I currently work, um, I just started here in Athens at Ohio University okay. as the director of experiential learning. The director of it? Yeah. Yeah. It's a new position. Um, it's a really exciting... You have a lot on your plate, it's all. Let's go <laughs> You have a lot going on. You're the director <laughs> of something at a college <laughs> and you're creating this. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But all really good work. Really important <laughs> fun stuff. So, um... And in a good place. So the, yeah, the Ohio University is really seemingly under interesting, exciting leadership. Um, the president has really put an emphasis on experiential education, that is the most powerful, transformative type of education. And so they've um, invested a lot of resources in making sure students have access to those experiences. And they're doing that as well as a focus on sustainability. And so I, I fit right in yeah. <laughs> in short order. Yeah. Um, so it's a, a mission I can get behind and people everywhere I meet say we want to get behind Tenderfoot's mission too so how can we help so it's been great right right it's just like right up your alley to like connect with all those people especially in a community that you're living in now right. <laughs> and yeah. a community that supports sustainable living yeah yeah it's yeah. a very progressive area of Ohio yeah and it's interesting we're in Appalachia which has been important to us so we we really want to make education more accessible and so one of the pieces we haven't actually mentioned of our mission is that accessibility affordability of higher education so all of the work that students will do on our farm will be in exchange for tuition so we're trying to raise money to support scholarships for that semester so it's a debt-free semester out of there eight semester or nine or ten wow uh, that's like a lot of money to raise too it would be a, yeah but the interesting thing about homesteading and about students doing the work is that you're not we don't have the overhead that a traditional institution would have or a traditional study abroad or study away program would have so our costs are a lot lower so your sustainability 
like what do you bring to like you're not sustainability but obviously you're bringing a lot to tenderfoot like what's your um strength in so yeah my strength i guess would be personnel skills and okay carpentry so okay in theater in 2006 when i graduated the market was strong and then in 2008 the recession hit and i had to decide what else to do um, because theater jobs were few and far between. And what I ended up doing was uh, working for an outdoor education place called Camp Joy. And it was a year-round facility that taught 6th to 8th grade students mm-hmm. about the natural sciences. Um, and so my passion is experiential education. Um, and uh, through working in the theater, I have um, carpentry skills that I bring to the table, but mostly a passion for experiential education. Yeah, and a real strong love for sustainability. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's yeah, just a, a personal ethos. So are you going to be the one to like show some of the students carpentry? Yes. Okay. Uh, I believe that Lindsay will need to maintain her day job uh, <laughs> for, for quite a while. Um, so um, the agreement between us is that I will be the nuts and bolts um, of Tenderfoot um, while uh, while the students are actually working on the farm. And okay. A, a day in the life will look something like three work teams in the morning. So you're on one of three. So infrastructure or food as in production or food as in cooking, preparing our meals, sustaining us throughout each day. And so um, they'll work through the morning on whatever team and Travis will manage those work teams. And then in the afternoons take classes that really delve into why all this matters and how does it relate to your own major and your own career aspirations and life aspirations and the kind of citizen you wanna be. And so myself and other visiting faculty will hopefully teach those classes so that'll be and then evening reflection and recreation time also it sounds like you were um doing some traveling in developing countries what countries did you travel to in that experience sure um so my bachelor's degree is in spanish and i was a high school spanish teacher for a while in a previous life um but i traveled mostly to spanish-speaking countries um, but i've never been to spain all of my travel has been to Central and South America. So I spent the most time in Costa Rica and Puerto Rico and Honduras. Um, but I've been to most of uh, most of Latin America. It's a beautiful place. Yeah, we were actually recently in Costa Rica. Not yeah. for um, experiencing the developing country. We went to a... Um, uh, all-inclusive resort actually for a wedding but um, I wish we would have had the experience we were off the resort a little bit and drove through some of the developing countries but um, I wish we would have had more time to spend there yeah um, was there anything that impacted you the most when you were in Costa Rica from what you saw so these resorts and things are popping up um, increasingly and it makes me a little sad but they really do protect they um, they might be one of the nations, you should fact check me, but um, one of the nations that have given rights to nature, they value their natural resources um, and not just as, and to some degree, as tourist yeah. dollars. But well, yeah, and you can tell because um, we did stay at an Airbnb there the weekend before we were at the resort. We did go to an Airbnb 
that was in, oh, I can't think of the name of it right now. It was the Santa Maria Volcano Lodge. Yes. And you could tell that that little community was um, very sustainable in the way they use things because the lodge that we were at, um, it was actually a farm as well. Like there was cows that they were milking on and they were making their own cheese and they were, it was also a plantain farm and a coffee farm. Yeah, they and, had like a restaurant yeah. and um, we ate there and they said it was 90% locally sourced. They even had um, villagers from the community of 200, I think they said, around. Um, they would come in every so often and be like, I'm out of eggs, can I grab some eggs? And they don't charge anyone for them because they also get some of their ingredients from the local villagers uh, too. So it's kind of like here, give and take type yeah. of thing. It's beautiful. Yeah, so seeing those relationships in that part of Costa Rica was like really heartwarming to me and it is a very beautiful yeah. thing. Um, yeah, but then, um, as far as other travel, what, is there any other countries that like really stood out to you in sustainability and that movement at all? So the other place that I've traveled that was most impactful was India, Northern India, rural India. Um, there is a woman, her name is Dr. Vandana Shiva, and she has a PhD in nuclear physics, but she famously said that after spending all of that time getting those degrees, that the world doesn't need nuclear physics, it needs farmers and food. And she's concerned about a global crisis of peak oil and what that will do to food security globally, um, in particular her home country of India. And so she has an educational farm. And I was fortunate to go and stay there for a three-week class and got to see a lot of the infrastructure pieces that we hope to use at Tenderfoot. Um, a methane gas digester, a solar cooker, um, a variety of different kinds of solar cookers, outdoor showers that are solar heated, um, just a variety of cool things. So. And part of that infrastructure is going to cater to a lot of different disciplines that undergraduate students are going through. So we are very happy to house engineers, uh, educators, nurses, and, and yeah. so on and so on. Yeah, when you think about basically recreating or just having daily life, you know, daily, all of the systems that support our daily lives, they are very interdisciplinary. So it makes sense there is learning to be had for any discipline. Absolutely. And just like that, they're going to be learning it from just such a simple form. Right. You know, like I just think our world is always so caught up in the go, go, go and the technology and like the instant gratifi gratification of going to a grocery store and grabbing like a bag of chips or candy bar. But it's like just learning the simplicities of what you guys are talking about is what a lot of humans in this world need to go back to. And that's what's going to ground people. And that's something that um, us, like at Hiking Through Life, find so empowering and gratifying about camping and hiking and being outdoors in the nature is just the fact that you are separated from all that. And when you're outside, just hiking on a path for hours and hours, you realize you don't really need much else in this world. You have it all around you. You have it all on your back when you're yeah. <laughs> when you're doing that. And the more you know, the less you need. The yeah. Less you need to carry and yeah, it's empowering. Why did you guys pick Athens, Ohio? To be 
frank and honest job, an income. Um, but we were really picky about where we applied for jobs. And so. And was this right after you got off of the trail? Right, yes. Um, we went and lived in Yellow Springs, Ohio, which is also um, a, a fairly liberal, s- liberal let's call it, um, town, little, little funky town in Ohio. Um, so we lived there briefly when we got off the trail. But we, we wanted to live in the Appalachian region, and um, and in Ohio, you know, we are from here, and I've, you know, I grew up in an Appala- an Appalachian county of Ohio, and so I experienced firsthand that um, skepticism for education and the the survivalist lifestyle that just really requires getting a job and. Um, getting to work and so um, I wanted to specifically serve this area yeah and I can tell that like just driving through this area is very progressive because like I was saying earlier the brewery that we went to um, Little Fish Brewery um, advertised that they support local nonprofits. they get all of their ingredients from local sources they have a map in the brewery actually that oh. and they've pinned all of the places that they've got their ingredients nice. um, and I picked up a lot of like great little brochures about this town I love going into breweries and just local places and grabbing brochures and reading about it so yeah. it's just totally that like nice homey feel in that brewery and I'm sure there's tons of areas in this town that are like that (laughs) yeah and you know and that's a hallmark of of Appalachia you know it's community driven and based and there's skepticism for um big business and corporatization and so on and so there's still a community feel to really anywhere you'll go in the Appalachian region which I love um it's a it's a blue collar value um, but yeah, they're, they're doing it really extra great here in Athens. So. Yeah. And we're, um, when we go up east more, I know we're going to like go to Vermont and I'm really looking forward to seeing some of those towns up there. Everyone helps out everyone there. Mm-hmm. They like trade all their goods. Like money's not really a thing there. It's just yeah. like, I'll work and then I'll give you jam, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just that great little like trade yeah I think that's such a beautiful thing yeah it really helps us see that we're interconnected like we are interdependent and and which is a core principle of sustainability how all things economic systems and social systems and environmental systems count on each other and so when you trade direct things and not just money it makes that much more obvious so it's it's a cool cool system well everyone shares something that you know they have an expertise in you get everyone from multiple disciplines together and then you have that community and then you have something that is self-sustaining it's very empowering and it's i think very confident boosting for those that are involved with it too absolutely can i tell you a a a mini story yeah keep it brief so we did this pilot of our program and we had just the greatest bunch of students I uh, saw pictures of that on your website they were like <laughs> holding up some dough of some sort of yeah, like. yeah. <laughs> yeah that was pizza making yes. um, 
Yeah, so it was just an interesting group who represented all sorts of different walks of life and um, would probably not, it was like the breakfast club, they would not have chosen to be together, yes. um, except they all chose this experience. And so um, there was young, one young man who uh, was socially awkward, you know, talked about his, talk, he was very aware of that, but not quite sure how to fix it and talked a lot about it. And um, he was leaving, they were heading off into the world around dinner time. And I said, well, what are your dinner plans? And he said, I think I'm going to go home and I'm going to cook dinner for my mom. And I said, oh, cool. What, you know, what will you make? And he was like, I don't know, but you know what? This is the first time ever in my whole life that I've been able to cook for my mom or anybody. But she always cooks for me and I'm going to cook for her. And it melted my heart. He felt empowered and proud of himself. That's amazing. And he was going to do what he wanted to do with that new knowledge was something nice for someone else. That's amazing. And this was a college student. Yes, a college senior. Mm -hmm. yeah. Who gained that skill within, it was a week you said? It was a week-long program, yeah. And it would be so cool to follow up to him now and see what he's cooking now and what he's doing now. It would be yeah, I'd love to know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's stories like that that are going to keep uh, people going. Yes. Yeah. And keep us motivated to keep doing what we love. I mean, you guys are doing what you love. We are doing what we love. And it, there's always motivation that you need. Yes. <laughs> I mean, there's always those times when you're just like, well, I could just go back to my job. And I mean, I guess yeah. I still do work. There's you, you yeah. you're loving what you're doing so far. Yeah. So We're far, just not yeah. making money yet. <laughs> <laughs> We know the feeling. Yes. <laughs> yes. The startup phase is scary and brave and beautiful and beautifully imperfect. So kudos to you guys for doing it. And so you're still doing full-time work. True. And Travis, you are kind of committed to doing full-time day job at Tenderfoot. Is that how it's working? That's pretty much how it's working. The work just keeps adding up. For as Tenderfoot. A, for Tenderfoot yeah. as we keep moving forward and... and sometimes blundering through and and as the tender feet and, that we are yeah the tenderfoot way so and let's talk about that how are you like managing that and just keeping your keeping calm a little bit as all this is kind of exploding <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna say we do that every day <laughs> the calm <part>. no <laughs> <laughs> this is work all of the work that i'm doing right now and travis you can disagree if you feel differently but is nourishing it feeds my soul so I agree with that yeah awesome and that that's the way so it's kind of like the quote do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life right yeah mm -hmm. yeah and there there's some really administrative pieces that I don't love that I hope to someday have a really excited board member take on <laughs> um, but but yeah I mean it's all in service of what we care a lot about and our values and things that we think the world needs right now you know some skills and ways of thinking that we think could benefit our global communities so, 100% I mean it really is possible if you are patient enough and have any knowledge of that's even a possibility, yep. then it, it's so amazing 
the things that you can find and do and the people who yes. have skills that you can also I think the people too I think it's because when you find other people who are like-minded like you that's when you're feeding energy off of them to keep being motivated to do what you're doing <laughs> <laughs> do you have anything else for the listeners as far as where they can get more information sure. about Tenderfoot Learning Lab or how they can get connected to you yeah um, so Instagram, uh, we are Tenderfoot Learning Lab on Instagram and on Facebook. Our website is tenderfootlearninglab.org. <laughs> yeah. um, and those are the primary ways. Awesome. Thank you so much, Scott, you guys, for being on our podcast today. Thank you Thanks so for much having for the invitation. Us. As you can tell in our interview, we had a really good time connecting and meeting with Lindsay and Travis. They're just the type of people that you talk to and you're inspired by them. And they're just very kind-hearted people. The next morning after that interview, we sat with them at their front doorstep and enjoyed cups of coffee for like two hours just sharing laughs and conversations and trail stories. I did do a little fact checking in Costa Rica. They have over 5% of the world's biodiversity in their little country in Central America. And twenty over 25% of their land is either national parks or protected lands. And they also, um, in the late 90s, 1998 passed a law, the Biodiversity Act, which um, basically protects a lot of their lands um, from being over-harvested in rainforest uh, cuts and stuff like that. And it protects a lot of their endangered species as well. So they are very progressive in their protections of their natural resources and habitat within the country. Yeah, Costa Rica is a really awesome place. Definitely on our places of must visit again. So I hope you enjoyed the interview with them as much as we did. And starting in January, they're going to be taking reservations for retreats and workshops at their property. And we hope that you will check them out and follow their journey with Tenderfoot Learning Lab. Yeah, and you can check them out again at tenderfootlearninglab.org. You've been listening to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Peace, love, and hike through life.